All right, Jabosai, good morning. Let us begin. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Elul, Avram and Shane D. Kelman, dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos in memory of their parents. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. To thank our Week of Learning sponsor, Shmuel and Shira Artman, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim this week in honor of the birth of a baby girl. Of Yakira Bela to Jesse and to Rivka Mayravitz, may they be Zochem, Yerzacham, the Gabla, Torah, Lechopa, Ulamaisim Tovim. And our day of learning sponsor, Zevi and Shoshi Daniel, Lusrusra for Shimmer for Chai Gitelbas, Rachel Rivka, and Rafal Yaakov Ben Rachel Chava. And our Dafyomi sponsors, a thank you to Milton Melanie Gertner for dedicating the share today in the Sluss of Shlema for Shoshana Tova Bas Mindalea. May she, together with Kol Choli, will have a complete and enduring refuah. And both with that, let us begin. Thank you for accommodating a little bit of the earlier start. Baruch Hashem, we have a lot, uh, a lot to do today. An incredible, incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Lamed Dalid 34, but we are actually picking up on Lamed Gimel Ahmed Beis. We left off pretty much in the middle of Ahmed Beis, right by the two dots across, across Mtosa's Tifshot. So the Gemara says as follows. Gemara says in Miyatan Kasha. Remember again, we're learning about the halachos of hadasim, and so remember the Mishnah taught us that if the hadas sprouts berries, if there is a berry proliferation, that could go ahead and invalidate the hadas. However, in just, so we saw qualifications of that: blackberries, not uh, not green berries, where the berries have to be concentrated. But yet the Mishnah says something very interesting, which was that if you go ahead and remove the berries, then halacha lemaisa. Halach lemaisa the hadas could be kosher. To which the Gemara says, "Dematinu emas." When are you diminishing the berries? Well, when, when is that occurring? If you say you remove the berries before you put the hadas in the bundle, so pshita. The most then obviously the hadas will be kosher. What's what's the chiddush? What's the chiddush in telling me that if you remove the berries, the hadas is kosher? It's got to be some novelty to that ruling. So if you're taking away the berries before you put the hadas in the bundle, what's the chiddush? Elo lebasadila agde. Rather, the chiddush must be that what? When are you removing the berries from the bundle? After you put the hadas in. I'm sorry. When are you removing the berries from the hadas? After you put the hadas in the bundle. Oh, to which the Gemara says, Dichui meikarahu. Because remember again, remember at the point that that hadas was put into the bundle, it was really unfit for use. Really unfit for use. So now what you're telling me is that something that was initially unfit for use could be rendered fit for use even once it's already in the bundle. Tiv showed me ne dichui meikar lo havi dichui olam. To which the, I'm sorry, lo havi dichui. So what can you learn from here? Even something which was originally unfit, because that's, that's where we're setting up the case over here. At the time you put that hadas into the bundle, that hadas was unfit for use. So apparently what you're teaching me is that halacha something that was initially unfit, does not have to retain its unfit status forever. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. And I will say that this goes back to yesterday's daf about dihui meikara, havi dihui, do we say that once something is rejected, from its particular mitzvah use that it remains forever rejected, forever rejected, or can it go ahead and once again become fit for use? This would seem to indicate to us that even though the hadas was initially rejected because of the berry proliferation, once you remedy that issue, the hadas is fit for use. To which the Imam says, no, the olam basr da'agdeh, no, that's not the case. The case actually over here is that Allah 
the you're removing the berries after after it was already bundled. The kasavar aget hasmana ba'amahu v'hasmana ba'amah lafklamu. No, I'm sorry. Did I just? Did I? Oh, I think I started too early. Okay, good. Find a little chazara. Wow, I'm really doing yesterday's daf in totality over here. Okay, good. Hey, and therefore again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. And the Gemara says, and the Gemara says, the Gemara says, no, rather, what's the case? Basr the Agde, you're placing the Hadas in after, right? The, you're, you're removing the berries after it was bundled. The Kasara Eged has Ba'amahu. And the Gemara, the Mishnah is reflecting the view that the act of bundling the Hadas is simply Hasmana. That's not called mitzvah. That's called preparation for the mitzvah. But that's not the mitzvah itself. Therefore, again, there's no real dichui. In other words, we'll say we initially looked at the placement of the hadas in the bundle as the beginning of the mitzvah. To which the Gemara says, not necessarily. The placement of the hadas in the bundle is just the dedication or separation or designation of the item for the mitzvah, but not the actual mitzvah itself. Good. Now today's. Remember, again, you can't go out and diminish the berries on yamtiv. So the Gemara says, I, I, have my. What happens if you did? So you're not supposed to diminish berries on Yamtiv. Why are you not supposed to diminish berries on Yamtiv? Right across from Tosa's Tifshot, we where we were supposed to start today. Good. So remember again, you're not supposed to diminish berries on Yamtiv. Why not? Why not? Tikun Mane. Tikun Mane. Because it has the appearance that you're fixing something. And of course, again, this is like, like therefore it's Doma Lamalacha. So what happens if you did? What happens if you went ahead and you removed the berries on Yomtiv? So my, kosher. Ultimately, again, the Gemara says it's kosher. It's kosher. It's fit for use. To which the Gemara says, well, let's analyze this. The Ashkar Amos. Now remember again, when did the berries become black? Now remember, what the Gemara is pointing out over here, as we said already before, Halacha Lamai says only black berries that are problematic. Green berries or not. So when, when did the berries, literally can mean when did the berries turn black or when did the black berries appear? Amos, if you want to say that the black berries or the berries turn black yesterday, meaning before Yom Tiv, remember again, that means from the time that Sukkis started, those Hadassim were already unfit for use. Tifshot mina. So, what can you learn from here? Dichui meikara dulo have dichui. What you could glean from this is that initial rejection does not does not really create sustained rejection. It's a good formulation. Initial rejection does not create sustained rejection. See, even though the hadas was unfit already from the beginning of yamtiv, if you go ahead and remove the berries, which you should not have done, but if you go ahead and remove the berries, ultimately the hadas will be kosher. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Maybe the case over here is what? Maybe the case is where actually the berries turn black or the berries appeared on Yomtiv itself. Oh, so this is an interesting case. Then what does this become a case of? Nira v'nidchahu. But say this would then be a case of berries that, of a hadas that was fit and then subsequently became unfit. You see what the Gemara is toying with over here? If the case is where the berries, the problematic berries, were already present, Erev Yamtiv, then that's a case of Dihui Meikara, right? The Hadas was never kosher. Remember again, because the kashras of the Hadas is only looked at when? When? Once Yamtiv starts, right? Whereas what the Hadas looked like before Yamtiv, no one cares about. So if we're talking about a case of berries that sprouted already Erev Yamtiv, 
That means when the hadas, right, yontiv starts, that hadas is rejected from use. Okay, so then if you go ahead and you remove the berries, if we say that the, the hadas is kosher, that means dihui meikara eno dihui. Something that was initially rejected, ultimately, again, does not remain permanently rejected. To which the Yomar says, maybe not. Maybe the case is where yontiv started, the hadas was fine. And then what happens? You start right the, then uh, 10 o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock uh, yomtiv morning. You're ready to take your little bit answer again. What do you discover on your hadasim? What do you discover? Blackberries. Blackberries. Oh. So that would, now, now what the Gemara is saying is, what the Gemara said before, and if you went ahead and you took off those blackberries, even though you shouldn't have, what's the sense of the hadas? Kosher. What would that teach you? Nira v'nidchohu. That's a case then of a hadas that was fit for use. And became rejected. So Shamas Mina, what do you what can you glean from here? Nira Vinitra Choser Venira. Very interesting. So what, what what lesson would you glean from here? Something that was fit, then became rejected. If you rectified it, it could become fit again. Right? Interesting case. Maybe not. Maybe not. Let's go back to what we said before. Maybe the berries were already there. Ereviamtiv. Or I should say, from the beginning of Yom Tiv. And So it's possible, the Gemara says, that if we're dealing with a case of where the berries were there from the beginning of Yom Tiv, the only thing you could glean from this case is that If something was initially rejected, and then you rectify it, it can become fit for use. But that doesn't teach me about the case of Nira Venitra Chos or Venira. The something that was fit for use became unfit for use and then ultimately becomes fit for use again, that that's kosher. In other words, more just saying you can't necessarily arrive at that conclusion from this particular case. But I'll say very, I, I want to point out how interesting this is, right? Because what the Gemara is prepared to say, just think about this in just a moment. What the Gemara is prepared to say is, a case of dihui meikara eno dihui, there's something that was never fit, and then right something that was rejected, then rectified, that that could become fit for use. The Gemara says, we, we can learn that out for here. But something that was fit, became rejected, right? And then was rectified again, the Gemara says, we can't necessarily glean the fact that that's kosher from here. You know, even though, I, I think, one would have thought intuitively the opposite. Something which was fit for use became rejected, became rejected, and then was rectified. I would think that that item could be more easily kosher versus something which was initially rejected, never fit for use, and then rectified and now put into circulation for use. Right? So, for, so just to illustrate with that, with the hadasim, what you are saying is like this. A hadas that began yomtev with blackberries and then had the berries picked off it, the Gemara says it's kosher. Why? Because that's dihui meikara. It was rejected from the beginning, now you rectified it. We say dihui meikara eno havi dihui. Versus a case of a hadas that at the onset of the was kosher, then sprouted berries, then you remove the berries, so now the Gemara says, well, we can't necessarily glean from here that it's kosher. Which is just so interesting, right? Again, I would have thought that nira venitra venira would have been an easier case to deal with than Dihui Meikara. But if you think about this, by the way, it's also an incredible use, like Kashkafically, if you, if you think about it, that, that sometimes the hardest thing in life, the hardest thing in life 
is not necessarily starting new. The hardest thing in life is having started, failed, and then having to get yourself back up again. Right? You, you hear that? So like, dichli meikara, sometimes in life I realize, like, you know what? I'm nidcha. I'm nidcha. But what, what I'm doing is not right. What I'm doing is, so I, I understand it. So I have to go ahead and engage in course-correcting activity. And the beautiful thing, like we saw in yesterday's daf, dichli meikara, Eino dichui, Baruch Hashem, that's wonderful for Hilchos Hadassim, and also wonderful for Hilchos Tshuva, right? Even if I was doing the wrong thing, if I engage in course-correcting activity, I'm not possible for the rest of my life. But sometimes, you know, you, you be, I begin something, right? So I was nira, I was fit, I was doing the right thing. Then, nidcha, something happens, something happens, and I just totally lose my way. The ability to pick yourself up in the aftermath of failure when you tried to go ahead and engage in the course-correcting activity, that's so hard. That's so, so hard. Because I know what success looked like, and then I failed, and now to pick myself back up and start again, or maybe start differently, that's the case of Nira Venitcha Choser Venira. To which the Gemara says, is that kosher? Is that kosher? Depends on you. Depends on you. Not so posh. It's, it's kosher if you can pull it off. But not everybody could pull it off. Incredible you still. The Gemara says right there. This is why we don't finish the daf. You cannot go ahead and diminish the berries on Yomtiv. Rabbi Lazar said, no, you can remove the berries. How can you remove the berries? This is the problem. Berry removal on Yomtiv represents tikkun mana. Tikkun mana means fixing something. Fixing something is domalamalacha. So Amravashi Kigon Shalakdan Lachila. Oh no, what's the case? The case is where Halakalamai. So why are you picking the berries? Why are you picking the berries? You want to eat them. Oh, okay. So remember again, Ochal Nafesh is Mutran Yamtiv. To which the Gemara says, and ultimately and I I but one second. So you want to eat the berries, that's very nice. But in the process of eating the berries, what happens? What happens? You rectify, right? You quote unquote fix the hadas. Not a problem. Rabbi Lazar Shimon holds like his father, he holds like Rabbi Shimon, who says, right? That if you do something on Shabbos or Yom Tevin, it is an unintended malacha, ultimately, again, it's not a problem. To which the Gemara says, that's fine. Even Rabbi Shimon, who says, that a Dabrashen in Meskamin is mutter with a green of Psik Reisha. We'll say, what's a Psik Reisha? So Psik Reisha, remember again, it's the term is literally cutting off the head. Popular children's toy. Bismana Gemara was chicken head, right? So let's say again, I would like to give my child, I want to, it's always good to reward good behavior with the chicken head, right? So I want to go ahead and reward my child with the chicken head and I want to give it to them on Shabbos. Only one problem, you really can't get the head without killing the chicken. That's called a Psik Reisha. An act which will inevitably result, which will, which will definitely result in the commission of a malacha. Even Rabbi Shimonu holds that Allah will agree that if it's a psikresha, it's definitely going to occur. You can't do it on Shabbos or Yantiv. To which the Gemara says, so therefore, it's very nice you want to eat the berries. That's great. But at the end of the day, pulling the berries off the hadas is a psikresha, right? At the end of the day, halacha you are going ahead and definitely changing the status of the, of the hadas. What's the case? The isle hoshana achrisi. Interesting. The case we're dealing with over here is you have another hadas. 
I mean, you happen to have another kosher hadas. You're not dealing, you don't need the hadas with the berries for your kosher hadas. You have a kosher hadas. It's just so therefore all you want to do is go ahead and what? Eat the berries off this hadas. So we don't look at that as a psikresha because at the end of the day, you don't need this hadas in order to fulfill your mitzvah. Interesting, interesting answer. To which the Gemara says, Tana Abonon, Hutter new discussion, new discussion. Hutter, Hutter if you went ahead. So we'll say, by the way, that's how you pass in Allah Isa. You should not go ahead and remove the berries on Yamtiv. But if you did remove the berries, Halakhalamaisa, the hadas is kosher. That's how Shukhanarch Paskins. New case. Tanrabanon, Hutter Agdobi Yamtiv. We'll say, so again, let's say you went ahead, you bound your Lulav. You bound your Lulav. And again, I'll hopefully show you today in the Shukhanarch, the Halakha regarding binding of the Lulav, whether or not it's a mitzvah. You bound your Lulav, and what happens? The binding came apart on Yamtiv. Came apart. So what do you do? The Gemara says, You should go ahead and tie everything together like a bundle of vegetables. Like a bundle of vegetables. Now, what, 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 what does this mean? If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, well, actually not yet. The Gemara says, which essentially means a loose-fitting bundle. Now, this is about to say, the issue we're getting into over here is the Malach of Kshira, of Kosher. You can't tie a knot, right? Or a sustained knot, a lasting knot, on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. So if your bundle becomes undone on, on Yom Tiv, what should you do? Tie it like a bundle of vegetables. Why don't you just bow it, right? Tie a bow, and that's good enough. To which the owner says, Haman Rabbi Hudahi. It's Rabbi Huda, the Amar Aniva Kshira Ma'al Yossi. Rabbi Huda is actually of the opinion that tying a bow, interestingly enough, is a form of tying, is a form of kosher. Rabbi Huda holds that a bow has enough of a degree of permanence which would make it usher to do on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. Oh, one second. Rabbi Huda, one second. If it's Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that halacha right? Any lulav that is not agud is pasal. So according to Rabbi Huda, you need a real binding of the species over here. To which the Gemara says, Haitana, the Tana of our Mishnah, Savarle Kavase Bechada, Upalegale Bechada. Our Tana holds like Rabbi Huda in one, in, in one, in one area, but there's a use of them in the other. Holds like him that Allah Chalamaisa, a bow, is considered to be a knot, but doesn't hold like him, whereas Rabbi Huda holds that Allah Chalamaisa, the Dalit Minim, must be bound. Our Tana does not hold, they must be bound. So we'll say, so just a word on this very quickly. How do we pass in this area regarding Lulav Tzarech Agud, Lulav Enot Tzarech Agud? Um, so just to show you this quickly, the Shulchan Aruch says as follows. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, it was, Tafresh Nun Aleph Aleph. Very, very, very quickly. Okay, so listen to this. So the Shulchan Aruch says, there's actually a lot to do. I'm, I'm giving you this Maramakum because it actually is an interesting Sifat Shulchan Aruch for you to look up. Tav Resh Nun Aleph Aleph. Mitzvah Dalad Minim. Shiital Kol Echad Lulav Echad Bezar Avaz Gimel Adasim. O Mitzvah Laagdam Bekesher Gamar. Shulchan Aruch Paskins, it is a mitzvah to go ahead and bind everything together. Now the Mishnah Bura says, There is no obligation to bind everything together. But it is a mitzvah of hider. 
It's considered to be hidra mitzvah to bind everything there. So it means when he says zekeli vareus. That's how he passes You don't, which is very important, which tells you that technically speaking, if you just you, know, you have to take everything together. So if you took your lulav, your adas, and your arvus, you just held everything in your hands, one hand, and the esrog in the other hand, are you yote? Absolutely. But Hidra Mitzvah really says that you should bind them together in a more formal fashion. Now the Shukhlar goes on to discuss what the nature of that binding should actually look like. Again, no, we don't have time to get into it now, but Tafresh Nun Aleph Sif Aleph. Incredible. Mishnah. Hadas. Nope, sorry, wrong Mishnah. Oof, second time today. Good. Mishnah. Arava. Arava. Right? Now we are getting into Aravas. So, right? Our willow branches. Arava gizula v'yevesha psula. If you have a stolen Arava, you have a dried out Arava, it's possible. Shal ashelev shal irenadech. So we'll say it's the, same, it's the same model of the Mishnah. An ashe, uh, excuse me, an Arava of an Asherah tree. An Arava of a city which is condemned because everyone worshipped idolatry. Psula. Ultimately, against such Arava, Arava will be possible. Miktam rosho. If the top of the Arava was snipped off. Nifritsu alav, if the leaves of the arava fell off, vatsafzafa. Tsafzafa rabose we're going to see is a different species of arava. Atsafzafa psula. So I will say these are all right. So whether the tap was snipped off, the leaves fell off, or you substituted a regular arava and used the tsafzafa arava, it's possible. Kmusha, if it's withered, vishanasha mixasalaha, or some of the leaves fell off, vishel bal. I must say now, Shabal is an interesting case. Rashi says over here, Shabal or Bal, Karko Shenetzuichel Ahashkos. So I'll say Bal, right? A Sedeh Bal is a, is a field which relies on rainwater, not irrigation. So remember again what the, what the Mishnah is saying over here is if you went ahead and you got an Arava from a non irrigated field, a field that was just go, that, that is taken care of that is taken care of by rain. So ultimately, again, such all of these cases, the Arava will be kosher. Now you're going to see the novelty in that is, remember, that the Torah calls Aravas Arve Nachal. Arve Nachal. One would have thought that perhaps you have to take willow branches only that grow by bodies of water. But if, let's say, it grows in a field, a non-right, that halacha might say that would not be good. So the Mishnah says that's not the case. Good. So we'll say these are all of the halachas of Arava. We're going to see, but interestingly enough, out of all the Dalit Minim, interestingly enough, the Aravas are the least complicated. Aravas are the least complicated. To which the Gemara says as follows. There's an incredible Muslim that if you think about it as well. Right? Remember again, what do the Aravas represent? What do the Aravas represent? Right? The mouth. So there's an, perhaps there's an incredible Yisod as well, which is, you know, the, the Esrog is Doma to the Lave. It's hard, it's hard to go ahead and control what you feel, right? The, the, the Hadassim are Doma to the eyes. Again, like we spoke about yesterday, it's hard to sometimes control what you see and how you see things in this world. The lulav is dumb to the shedra, to the spine. It's hard in life to figure out what should you stand up for, what shouldn't you stand up for. But you know what sometimes the easiest thing in life is? To control your mouth. To control your mouth. That when should I speak, when shouldn't I speak? What should I say, what shouldn't I say? What words should I use, what words shouldn't I use? Out of all the different things to control in life, Sometimes the easiest thing to control is your mouth because you make the active decision. You know, my eyes, I don't make necessarily make the active decision to open them or to close them, right? Sometimes they just open and stuff happens. My heart, I can't always necessarily control the flood of emotions that comes in or how I feel. 
but my mouth every single time I open it. That is a conscious decision. And every single time I go ahead and I close it, it doesn't see, some people, it looks like their mouths open by themselves, right? It has the appearance based on what they say, how they say it, and the frequency in which they comment. It almost looked like it's an involuntary reaction of speaking. But, but La Mesa, it's not true. Every single time I talk, every single time I talk, that is a conscious decision. So perhaps out of the Dalit Minim, out of the Dalit Minim, the simplest one is the Aravis. Because the easiest thing to control in this world is if you talk, if you don't talk, and when you talk, what you say, what you don't say. Said back to the Gemara. Ten Rabbanan, Arvei Nachal. The Gemara, right, the Torah calls willow branches, Arvei Nachal. Hagedelen ala Nachal. Because they grow by a river. That's classically where you find these, which almost is interesting because when the Torah says, right, when the Torah says about willow branches, see, I think for many of us, you think about like a willow tree, like a weeping willow, right? Interestingly enough, that's not the paradigmatic example of, of willow branches, right? Rather, from the Torah's perspective, it's the branches that really grow like in the brush by a river. That's, that's the paradigmatic example. So, Arve Nachal, Hagidilan al Nachal, Dover Acher, Arve Nachal, Sha'alo Shalab Mashuch Kinachal. Other possibilities, why does the Torah call Aravas Arve Nachal? Because the leaf of the Arava is ultimately is drawn out, literally mashuch, it's long, just like, just like a river, right? Well, say if you, you can imagine in your mind what an Arava, what, what, what a willow leaf looks like, it's long and drawn out. Tanya Idach, Arve Nachal, Ingli Ela Arve Nachal. So I only know in the terms of Avi Nachal, it only means willow branches that grow by water. Shalbal v'shalharim. Minayin had, you know, that you could even go ahead and use aravas that grow in a field or that grow on the mountains. Talmud Lomar, Arve Nachal Mikol Makom. The Torah doesn't say Arav Nachal, it says Arve Nachal. Again, Arve is plural. To teach you, you could really use all kinds of willow branches. No matter where they grow, you're permitted to use them. Top of Lama. Dalit Abashal Omer. Abashal says, the boss is very interesting. Arve Shtayim. Achas achas Abashal says, no, we learned something else from Arabe, which is, you have to take two Aravas, two Aravas, I will say, but not two Aravas in the Lulav, two Aravas altogether. One Arava goes in the Lulav, and one Arava was used in the base Hamikdash. So we'll say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, over here, Abashal Omer, Arbe Nachal Domekralola, Hachshu Shabalba, you need two different, there are two different mitzvahs of Arava. What are the two different mitzvahs? One mitzvah is to put an Arava into the Lulav. And we're going to discuss this in about 10 days from now, 11 days from now, that there is a mitzvah on Sukkis to circle the Mizbeach, to do Hoshanas. Literally, they would circle the Mizbeach with Aravos, with a, with, with a willow branch. So Abashol's Arve Nachal, the plural teaches me, there's a mitzvah of Arava vis-a-vis the Dalad Minim, and there's a mitzvah of Arava circling the, circling the, circling the, the, the Mizbeach. Where did the Rabbana know that there is a mitzvah to go ahead and circle the Mizbeach with an Arava? They learn it out as a halacha That the practice of circling the Mizbeach on Sukkis with an Arava is not learned out from a Pasuk, but rather, again, it is a Sena'edek law, halacha lemoshe misinai. Da'am Rabbi Asi, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Eser Netios, 
We'll say it's actually incredible. The Gemara is going to make a list of halachos or halachos the Moshe Misina. We'll say, get ready for this. Get ready for this. There's a halacha called Eser Netios. We'll say again quickly, we're going to do this outside, but you're going to look at this inside later on when you do your Chazara very quickly. That, that there, we know that in the Shemitah year, this is why this is incredible. In the Shemitah year, farmers actually stop working the land as of Rosh Chodesh Elul. <laughs> Isn't this incredible? Learn this halacha now. As of Rosh Chodesh Elul, farmers stop working the land. There is an exception to this rule that if you have 10 saplings that are within a base sa'ah, which is 50 amas by 50 amas, you are allowed to work that area up until Rosh Hashanah. Because the reason, the reason for that is if you don't work that area already as of Rosh Chodesh Elul, ultimately, again, what's going to happen? The, you're going to suffer a, a significant loss. So again, Chazal backed up the Isr Shemitah. They learned that at Hosafa, right? They did the of Tosefa Shemitah, and therefore stopped the farmer from working already Chodesh Elul. But Asar Natios is that Lachah that says if you have 10 saplings within, within a base of 50 Amis by 50 Amis, you continue to work that area up until Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara says, Esrenetios, Araba, the obligation to go ahead and take an Araba around the Mizbeach. Niso Chamaim, which is the water libation, which we'll discuss as well. The pouring of the water on the Mizbeach on Sukkis, Halacha L'Moshem Nisinai. These were all Halachas L'Moshem Nisinai. So I say, interestingly enough, so Abashol, it's fascinating, Abashol learns out the mitzvah to walk around the Mizbeach an Arava on Sukkis. He learns it out from the plural of Arve Nachal. The Rabbanon say, no, it's Halacha L'Moshem Nisinai. Beautiful. Tan Rabbanon, Arve Nachal, Hagdela Sala Nachal. So when you say Arve Nachal, so I will say, here's the interesting question. So if at the end of the day, you actually don't need a willow branch which grows by the water, right? You could take it from wherever it grows, then what? Then what's the obvious Shaila? Or the Natsavi Yishayla, right? Why, why do you call it Arve Nachal? Or so what, why use that term? Why use that term? Because that term is a shtickle misleading. Or is if, I, if I don't need it to grow by the water, then why call it Arve Nachal? To which the I'll tell you why. It's there in order to go ahead and dafka exclude the case of the tzafzifa. You know what? So we're going to discuss tzafzifa is in the willow, is in the, we'll call it the willow family but you cannot use it for the mitzvah of Dalad Minim. So Arve Nachal comes to exclude the Tzavtzafah, which grows in the mountains. Now, what I want to point out is the fact that the Tzavtzafah grows in the mountains is not what disqualifies it. We're going to see what disqualifies the Tzavtzafah is that the leaves are rounded. You know, the Tzavtzafah looks almost like a little bit more like ivy. That's really what, if you can imagine what ivy looks like, it looks a little bit more like ivy, right? The, the leaf itself is a bit more rounded. The stalk, we're going to see, the Gemara is going to go through this. But it comes to exclude Safzifa. So the Gemara said, listen to this. Amra Bizeira Maikra, what's the Pasuk that tells us that Safzifa is considered to be a more inferior item than the, than the Araba? Well, so isn't that beautiful this is? The Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Yechesk. I mean, it's, it's not beautiful. Well, you'll see. The Pasuk says as follows. Kach al-mayim rabim tzafzifa samo. It's Baruch who says essentially to the Navi Yecheskel, Kach al-mayim rabim. Essentially, I wanted to make Klal Yisrael like that that grows upon abundant water. And instead, they made themselves like a tzafzifa. So the Gemara's understanding of here is as follows. Kach Baruch who says essentially, I wanted to make Klal Yisrael like an Arava. Something planted by, by an incredible amount of water. And instead, they made themselves like a tzafzafa, something that doesn't grow by water. So the Gemara says, well, we'll see what the drasha means in just a moment. So what you see from that is that tzafzafa is considered to be inferior to arava. 
But maybe at the end of the day, it's at the process coming to explain what's that item that grows on great amounts of water. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. If that's the case, then why does the Pasuk say Samo? They made themselves. They made themselves like a Tzav Tzafa. Amra B'yavah, Amra Kadosh Baruch Hu, B'tukhosh Baruch Hu, saying, T'yecheskel, Ani Amarti, Shehu Yisrael Lefanai Kikach Al Mayim Rabim. I wanted Kla Yisrael to be like an Arava that grows by great amounts of water. Umayni Hu, what is that? An Arava, Vehein Samo Atzman Kitzav Tzafa Shebaharim. And they made themselves like a Tzav Tzafa in the mountains. I will say, such an incredible drasha. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, what, is, what does that mean? Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted to make us like an arava that grows by water. We mean ourselves like a tzav tzifa. So I will say, the Ribbono Shal Olam gives us so many resources to accomplish great things. Resources that sometimes we don't even recognize. Sometimes those resources could be material. But remember again, mayim, mayim water in general, is always a metaphor for Torah, for Ruchnius. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us so many spiritual resources. Kadosh Baruch Hu says, literally, I flooded them with resources. And for some reason, they just choose to live on a barren hilltop. People say, what an incredible you saw. You see, it's so amazing that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving Musa to Kalal Yisrael, the Musa is not like, ah, you're Ovid Avodah you're a Mechal Shabbos, you're Ochel on the Veil of Trefos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you know what the greatest Musa HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us is? I give you all the resources in the world. I give you all the resources. I give you all the mayim you need in order to be successful. And yet, you choose to sit on a barren hilltop. Say, so what an incredible muster. I have all the resources, and it's true. Each and every one of us, this is MS. I have all the mayim. I might not have all the money I want, but I have all the mayim. All the necessary spiritual resources I need in order to be successful. Yet sometimes, because of my life decisions, because of my lifestyle decisions, because of my attitudinal decisions, I make the choice to remove myself from the mayim and plant myself yeah, attitudinal, it's a word, it's a word. And I, and I plant myself, and I plant myself on a barren mountaintop. Such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara says, So others go ahead and explain this positive based on the initial. Listen to this. Ultimately, again, Navi says, Sorry. This is just the same discussion, just framed in a little bit of a different way. Maybe the Pasuk is to be read as follows, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu planted them by great waters, and what's an example of something planted by a great amount of water? What is it that I planted by great waters? To which the Gemara says again, The word Samu means they placed themselves somewhere else. I wanted Klal Yisrael to be like a plant, which is planted by great amounts of water. Chashbaruch says, my intention for Kalal Yisrael was that it should be an Arava. Yet they made themselves like the Tzavtzafa on the mountain. So we'll say, so again, you see from here that Tzavtzafa is considered to be an inferior plant ultimately to Arve Nachal. And therefore Arve Nachal comes to exclude the use of Tzavtzafa. To which the Gemara now says, Tan Rabbanon, Ezu Arava. Okay, so now, so now we go ahead and we get into it. Okay, so now t- tell me what the difference is. Arava, Khanashala Adam, Va'ala Shala Mashah. So in Arava, 
And Rabbi says is the kosher is the kosher species. So again, arava kanashla adam. So first of all, the stalk is red. The stalk is red. And the leaf is elongated, right? The sides of the arava, right? The edges of the arava are smooth. Tzafzaf, on the other hand, the stalk is white. Its leaf is often round. Now, round doesn't mean like literally round. It means it's rounded, rounded. And its, its sides are like, are like a saw. In other words, that it has like teeth. On the sides. Uh, sorry, uh, a saw, sorry. Thank you. I like a magal is a saw. I have a hot tanya domela magal kasha. What's that? We learned that if an arava ultimately has like a little bit of like a serration on the side, like a saw, that is kasher. Doma lemaser pasal. It means, I'm sorry, I keep saying magal is a sickle. Right, magal is a sickle. So again, if it has teeth like a sickle, then ultimately it's kasher. If it has teeth like a saw, it's puzzle. Rashi points out, you've seen the teeth of a sickle, teeth of a saw. Teeth of a sickle are, are, are pointed backwards. In other words, they, they're, they're slanted towards the handle of the sickle. Whereas the saw, the teeth themselves of the saw are pointed downwards. So if the arava has like a like teeth or a serration, like they, like a sickle, they're pointed backwards towards the base of the arava. It's going to be kasher. Like a saw, it's going to be possible. Good. Abayi kitanya hi bechilfa gila. Abayi said this discussion, by the way, concerns a particular, a particular type of arava known as chilfa gila. Okay, this was this was the name of the particular type of Rashi says over here chilfa arafta. It's the third wide line in the wide lines of Rashi. Lav hainu chilfa gila elat zafzafa. Fine. So the Gemara says as follows. So You see from here that the Chilfagila species of Arava is fit for use. To which the Gemara says, Pshita, what's, what's the Chiddush? You might have thought that since it's called something other than Arava, right? This Arava is called Chilfagila. So you might have thought that because it's not called Arava, it's called Chilfagila. Therefore, it's not usable. To which the Gemara says, Kamashwan, that's not the case. Even though it has a nickname and it's often known by a different name, it's still kosher for use. Maybe that's true. Maybe because it is known by another name, it's not fit for use. Which the Gemara says, We come back to the plurality. And yes, David, that is a word as well. Right? We come back to the plurality of it to say that Arve Nachal ultimately again comes to include other items as well. So, what's we'll interesting? So, really, which is, which is the Havamina is if something is known by another name that perhaps it would not be usable, Kamash Malon, as long as it satisfies the criteria. Ultimately, again, it is fit for use. Incredible. Amrav Chista. But say, this is, a, this is an incredible Gemari here. Nothing to do with our topic, except now that we mentioned that there are certain items known by different names, the Gemari brings up this fascinating topic. Amrav Chista. These three things, their names were changed when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Now, I'll say, so just to talk about this for just a moment, what, what does this mean that names were changed when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed? say, somebody brought this up. I don't remember who asked this question. But like when we were learning Yuma, we were learning Yuma, so, you know, we're, we were talking about, there's certain machloksim about the Avoda of Yom Kippur. Some of these machloksim occurred not so long after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. So how could it be 
I understand now, like today, if we were to have machlokes, what happened in the base Hamikdash? Okay, we're thousands of years away, but how do you have such fundamentally yisodistic machloksim about what was done in the Mikdash when you could potentially be less than a century away? Right? So we'll say, so remember, Rabbi Soloveitchik writes about this, actually a very profound idea, which is the churpen of the base Hamikdash was an existential trauma to Klal Yisrael. And when a person undergoes trauma, trauma could alter the senses, right? Trauma could alter perceptions. Trauma could have a tremendous effect on people in, in ways that we never thought it would. And the base Hamikdash was destroyed. It was not simply the loss of a building, loss of a structure. It was the loss of a way of life. It was the loss of communities. It was a staggering loss of life to the point that there was a traumatic effect on Klal Yisrael. And you know, when you undergo trauma, right, a person could forget things. When you undergo trauma, your perception of reality could be altered. When you undergo trauma, things you called one thing before the trauma are called differently after the trauma. So it's an incredible, you see, it gives a little bit of a window into the nature of the traumatic experience of the Khurban. So the Gemara says over here, three things, not sure there are more than three things, it's just three things listed here. Three things listed here, that whose names were changed in the aftermath of the Khurban. So the Gemara says, listen to this, number one, Chalafta, or Chalafta Arafta, Arafta Chalafta. So that which used to be called Chalafta, right, became the Arava, and that which was called the Arava became the Chalafta. Now, Bossi, now the truth is, Chilfa, as Rashi calls it, Rashi calls it Chilfa, is actually Tzavtzafa. Tzavtzafa. So what the Gemara means is that originally the Arava was called the Arava, the Tzavtza was called the Tzavtzafa. After the Chorban, the Arava was called Tzavtzafa, the Tzavtzafa was called Arava. My Nafkamina, who cares? Well, actually, we care a lot. Why? My Nafkamina, Lalulav. Because I remember again, it's very important to keep track as to which of these items is really the Tzavtzafa, which is items really the Arava. Why? 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 Arava's Kasher, Tzavtzafa's Pasal. Another example, Shipura Shipura Chatzotzrasa, Chatzotzrasa Shipura. That which there used to be a trumpet and a chauffeur, right? So a trumpet, by the way, doesn't necessarily even have to be something that is long and metallic. It just refers to something that is straight and long versus a chauffeur, which is bent. So in the beginning, the bent, the show, what we call the chauffeur is called the chauffeur, right? Ultimately, again, what was called the chatzotzos is called the chatzotzos. After the churban, the names were switched up. So the Gemara says, my nafkamina, what does it matter? The chauffeur shall Rosh Hashanah. Oh, it makes a very big difference. Ultimately, again, Rashi says, Rechatzotzra is pshuta, it's straight, ve'ina shal ayo. And ultimately, again, it's not of a ram. So a shofar was a bent horn that came from a ram. A chatzotzra was a straight horn that did not come from a ram. So before the churban, the shofar was the shofar, chatzotzra was chatzotzra. After the churban, chatzotzra, right, shofar was called chatzotzra, and chatzotzra were called shofar. We'll say, why is this one very intriguing? Why is this one very intriguing? Why? Because interestingly enough, this seems to have been corrected, right? Because today, what we call, right, so this is not true for today. Today, what, we, what, what do we call a chauffeur? What do we call a chauffeur? Right? A chauffeur, right? Usually when we refer to a chauffeur, we're actually, what comes up, to, what comes to mind is the chauffeur, Shosh Hashanah, which is cuff of bent and it comes from an aisle. So I'll say, what do you see from here? An incredible Muslim Haskell, which is, you can heal from trauma. You can heal from trauma. It may take a very long time. And it could be an arduous journey, very difficult. But the ability to heal from trauma is present. 
v'haraya. There was trauma in the aftermath of the korban. Names got mixed up. And you see, when did it happen? I, I, I don't know, right? And sometimes it could take a thousand years to tell from trauma, right? And some, right? So, but yet, the ability, and this is such an incredible yisod, because everyone undergoes trauma in life to, to varying degrees. And sometimes the more severe the trauma, the more sometimes a person will say, I can never heal from this. I can never get over this. Get over is the wrong word. I can never heal from this, or, right? But we see from the Gemara that you can. Trauma, even terrible trauma, like Khurban, and we all experience Khurban in different ways, one could heal, it just may take time. So the Gemara goes right there. Psurta, Psura, Psura, Psurta. We'll say Psura and Psurta both mean table. One means a big table, and one means a little table. So these got mixed up. You know what does it matter? Well, it matters a lot because if you're in the market to buy a psura, which is a small table, but instead you get sold the psurta, you're going to be a little bit upset. So therefore, to know which term means what is very important for commerce purposes. Good. Amra by Afani Omer Bekasi Hovlila Hovlila Bekasi. We'll say these refer to different stomachs of an animal. These terms got mixed up. Lamay nafkamino, what does it matter? Lamechat hanimsaba ovi beisakosos. Both say it matters why? Because if you find a needle in certain stomachs, right? In certain stomachs of the animal, it causes it to be a trefa, but yet in other stomachs, it does not. So it's very important to know what is called what. Good. Amravavari Yosef, Afani Omer, Babel Bursif. Bursif Babel. This is very interesting. Another interesting mix-up over here is actually a geographic mix-up. That originally Babel was called Babel. Bursif was called Bursif after the Khorban. Babel was called Babel. Right? Bursif was called Babel. And Babel was called Bursif. Okay. Lemay nafkamina. So what does it matter? Amud Beis. What does this matter? Legite Noshin. It actually makes a very big difference. For Gittin. Now I will say, so like when you read this, so the most natural thing, why does it make a difference for Gittin? I think there's a Gittin. Because ultimately why? What do you have to write in a get? Location. But here's what's interesting. That's not what Rashi says. Because at the end of the day, if you have a place that becomes known by a new name, then, then you know, let's say for example, you know, you know, let's say, okay, Baltimore is called Baltimore. Let's say they officially change the name to... Um, worst crime in the United States. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. But let's say. Let's say they officially change the name to that. So in a get, that's that's the name that you would use. That's the name that you would use ultimately again for the city. So that's not the issue. Also, this is actually interesting. And you know, for getting for a little bit of a, a chazar from last cycle. Look at Rashi. Legite Nashim. Rashi says the kaimavon hamevi get michutz laaretz sarah shiomar befanai nechtav. If you bring a get from outside of Eretz Yisrael, right, you have to say, This get was written and signed in front of me. And again, the Gemara explains why. Because there was a concern that outside of Eretz Yisrael, people did not know how to write a get lishma. Right? A get must be written for this particular couple. For this particular couple. So was the way that the Shaliach testified that the get was written Lishma. Well, interestingly enough, not in Eretz Yisrael they knew how to do a get Lishma, and in Bavel they knew how to do a get Lishma. So if you were bringing a get in Eretz Yisrael, you didn't have to say And ultimately, again, in Bavel you also didn't have to say, or if you were bringing a get from Bavel, but Bursif, Bursif was a neighboring country to Babel, a neighboring place to Babel. And if you were bringing a get from Babel, from Bursif, you did have to say, Therefore, again, 
to know that the names got messed up, right? And therefore, halacha lemaisa to know where you need the testimony of befani nechtav or befani nechtam. Incredible. We'll say Mishnah. Rabbi Shmuel Omer. We'll say top of top of Lama Dalal Amud Days. Rabbi Shmuel Omer. Rabbi Shmuel says, listen to this. Shlosha Adasim Shte Aravas Lula Vechad Veesro Gechad. Rabbi Shmuel says, here's here's what you need. Here's the Sukkis inventory. Here's what you need. You need three Adasim, two Aravas, one Lulav, and one Esrog. That's all. Afilu Shnaim Kitumim Veechad Inokatum. And by the way, with, by the three Hadasim, even if two of the Kitumim, we'll say, means, means cut or snipped, right? Even if two of them, even if two of them are snipped, right? And, and one is not, one is whole Veechad Enokatum, it's Kasher. All right, so say that's the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. So Rabbi Shmuel is saying two things. Number one, one lulav, two adas, three hadasim, two arabas, one esrog, one esrog. But by the hadasim, the three, even if two of the hadas branches are clipped, right? So all you have is one complete hadas branch. Ultimately, again, that is going to be enough. Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon says, Afilu shloshtan kitumin. It's interesting. Rabbi Tarfon says, even if all three of the branches are snipped, Ultimately, again, the, the, the Hadassah will still be kosher. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, no, again, we'll, we'll explain this machlokas. Now, we'll say, Rashi already points out that the reason Rabbi Tarifon allows you to use snipped Hadassim or cut Hadassim is because he does not believe that the requirement of Hadar applies to a Hadas. Right? So if you don't really require, if you don't require Hadar for it to be beautiful, even if it's snipped, it's going to be kosher. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, this is very interesting, Kishem shalulav echad, ve'esrag echad, kach hados echad, ve'arava achas. So Rabbi Akiva says, all you need is one of each. Same with this one lulav, this one esrag, all you need is one hados and one arava as well. Quite interesting. So the Marisa Tanya, Rabbi Shmuelah, Rabbi Shmuel says, pre-eight hadar echad. So we'll see, now remember, Rabbi Shmuel is the first appeal in the Mishnah. So pre-eight sadr, one esrig, right? Pre-eight sadr, echad. Kapos tomorrow. the phrase kapos tomorrow also echad refers to one lulav. Anaf eats avos shlosha. Anaf eats avos, which is hadasim, tells you you need three hadasim. And both say, where do you get three? It's very simple. Anaf eats avos. He dashes ultimately again each of those words to generate each word generates a stock liability or obligation. Good. Arve nachal, arve nachal, which is, which is aravis, again, plural. Shtaim, ultimately, again, is two, is two. So the Gemara says, now, now we'll say, so, right, so I, I, just, just on this drasha, because I know what you're thinking, meaning, one second, if you're dashing number of words, pre eight hadar, right, is also three. Kapos from, so remember again, it's also based on how the words translate, right? That again, for example, anaf eats avos, so there is certain repetition in those words. Again, well, we'll see this all when we get to the Yusugiv Esrag as well. But let's first do the drasha. So the drasha of Rabbi Shmuel is pre eats hadar, one Esrag. Kapos tomorrow, one arav, one, one lulav. Anaf eats avos, three hadasim, arve nachal, two aravis. So the Gemara says, Furthermore, Rabbi Shmuel said, even if two of the Hadassim stalks are snipped and one is not, ultimately, again, it'll still be kosher. Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon says, Shlosha, Rabbi Tarfon will agree, he will agree with Rabbi Shmuel. Right? Both Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Tarfon agree that what you need three Hadas branches. However, again, whereas Rabbi Shmuel says, two out of the three could be snipped, Rabbi Tarifun says, 
all three could be snipped. Rabbi Akiva Omer Kishim Shalulav Achad Ve'asrag Achad. Rabbi Akiva will say the same way that there's one Lulav and there's one Asrag. Kach Hados Achad Ve'arava Achad. So too there's one Hados and there's one Arava. Amr Lo Rabbi Eliezer. Yachol Yehei Asrag Iman Ba'agud Achad. So we'll say now watch this. Now Eliezer says, maybe you should have to take the Asrag, you should have to bundle the Asrag together with everything else. Now Jeroboam, remember again, the way, we're, the way we're doing things is we're taking the Lulav, the Adasim, and the Aravas all together. I might have thought that Allah Chalamaisa, the Esrik has to be bundled with those items as well. Does the Torah say you should take an Esrik? And the Lulav, which would sound like what? The Esrik has to be bundled together with the Lulav. Right, the said the Pasik says you should take Priate Sadar Kaposrom. There purposely is no Vav. Right? It could have said you should take a Priate Sadar Vikaposmar and the Lulav. And if that's the case, then what? Then I lock up because we also remember again, if you look at the rest of the Pasik, the Pasik says, Well the Kaktumakhambiomarishon, Priate Sadar, Kapos Tumarim, Vanaf eats Avos, Varve Nachal. See, interestingly enough, you have Lulav and Hadasim and Aravas. It could have easily said an esrog and a lulav, and, but it doesn't. It doesn't, which indicates to us what? Ultimately, what does it teach me? Therefore, esrog does not have to be bundled. It's really interesting, really interesting, because you wonder about this, right? If there's a din of igud, and again, even if it's not a, even if it's not a achiv, but just a mitzvah, if I'm already bundling stuff together, why not put the esrog in there as well? To which the Gemara says, because halacha lemaisa, the formulation is different. The Gemara, the Torah talks about esrig as separate and independent from the rest of the bundle. And said, this is a very interesting halacha. How do you know that these items are ma'akev one another? I will say, what does this mean? That halacha lemaisa, let's say, for whatever the reason, you can't get hadasim. You can't get hadasim. So how do I know that if you can't get Hadassim, you can't get Aravas, that there's no mitzvah, right? There's no such thing as a mitzvah to take just, you know, just take whatever you have, that they're ma'akiv one another. You shall take them. It must be a complete act of taking. And it's only considered to be a complete act of taking if what? If what? If you have all of the species present. Pretty incredible. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel, let's go back to Rabbi Shmuel. Remember again, Rabbi Shmuel is saying you three Hadassim. But Rabbi Shmuel said what? Two of the Adasim could be clipped, and one of them has to be whole. You know, so it makes no sense. Man of Shach. If you need the Hadasim to be complete, then what? Then what? All of them should have to be complete. And if you don't need that to be complete, then why do you need one out of the three to be complete? Let them all be snipped. To which the Gemara says, Amr Bira, Amr Rabbi Ami, Chazer Ba Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel ultimately went ahead and retracted his position. Right, the Gemara Luki Rash Chazer Rabbi Shmuel mitchilas tevarov umachshe bechad umiyor haderbay. Rabbi says interesting that Rabbi Shmuel retracted his position. And what did he say? Rabbi Shmuel says, "You don't need three. He agreed with Rabbi Akiva in the end. You don't need three. All you need is what? All you need is one. But that one." Has an obligation of hadar, which means what? Which means what? It has to be whole. That's the old. Shabbi Shmuel changed his mind. Originally, he said you need three, but two out of the three could be snipped. Then he said, no, you really only need one, but there is a mitzvah of hadar, 
by the hadas, and therefore that one must be fully intact. I'm Rabbi Huda Mishmuel, Halach Rabbi Tarifon. Ultimately, again, the halacha follows Rabbi Tarifon. Rabbi say, ultimately, again, Rabbi Tarifon says, all three of the hadasim could be snipped. So the Gemara says, Shmuel, which means, say, just so you understand what that means. What that means is that halacha lamaisa, there is no mitzvah of hadar by the hadasim. Now, again, We'll define that in tomorrow's year a bit more. But the halacha was there is no mitzvah of there is no mitzvah of hadar by hadasim, and therefore hadasim could even be snipped, could even be snipped. To which the words of as the Shmuel atame Shmuel goes according to his reasoning. Don't really Shmuel lahano. This is very interesting because Shmuel said, "I'm really Shmuel lahano to mezabni asa." Shmuel said to the to the hadas salesman, to the Myrtle Branch salesman, and what did he say? Ashvu mezabinu. Don't overcharge for hadasim. Right? Don't overcharge for hadasim. If you low, if because if you overcharge, right? If you price gouge, dashina lechuk rabbi tarfin. I will I will make, give a public share, and I will say that we paskin like rabbi tarfin. Now why like rabbi tarfin? Meet my time. If you want to say because Rabbi Tarfan is the most mekel, well, Valijo Shlamikrulu Rabbi Akiva the mekel tfei. So ultimately, again, that's not necessarily true because Rabbi Akiva ultimately again is even more mekel. To which the Gemara says not necessarily. I'll tell you why. Because what does Rabbi Tarfan say? As much as Rabbi Tarfan says you need three hadasim, he says what's the status of those hadasim? What's the status? They can be clipped. You don't need hadar. Look what the Gemara says. I will say. Listen to this. So the Gemara says. It's true. Rabbi Akiva only requires you to have one hadas. But what's the nature of that hadas? Rabbi Akiva, it has to be complete because Rabbi Akiva says that there's a din of hadar by the hadas. Rabbi Tarfur, on the other hand, holds you need three, but he holds that what they can all be clipped. You don't need hadar. And the Gemara says it's much easier to find three clipped hadasim, then it is to find one whole hadas. So therefore, again, the Gemara says over here, the Gemara says over here that Shmuel said to the salesman, be careful, don't price gouge, because if you try to price gouge, I'll darshan in public that the halacha follows Rabbi Tarfon, and therefore, again, even though you need three hadasim, you could use clipped hadasim, and again, that will certainly send the price plummeting. So, again, we'll discuss Allah Chalamaisa, but I will just point out, what an interesting statement that is. That sometimes in life, it's easier to go ahead and find three clipped hadasim than it is to find one fully intact hadas. Because sometimes in life, sometimes in life, it's a bit easier to go ahead and do things that are good but not great than to do something that is great and perfect. But this is a very important halacha lamaisa, which is that in the eyes of the Ribbon Sha'olam, it's so much more important to have three clipped hadasim than it is to have one perfect hadas. Because if you spend your life looking for the perfect hadas, if you spend your life aiming for perfection, perfection is an elusive and almost unattainable goal. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu never makes that demand of us. But three clipped hadasim, as much as they're not perfect, they're beautiful, and they're good. Because sometimes, again, if we set our sights on perfection, we're setting ourselves up for failure. But if we set our, size, our sights on good, and then ultimately, Emirat Hashem, push good to great, that's attainable and ultimately within reach. All right, so we'll stop over here. Tomorrow, Emirat Hashem, we begin the sugya of Esrig, which is an incredibly exciting sugya that'll take us a little while, Emirat Hashem. Coming attractions. Shabbat everyone.